Salvation is not based on what we do for God. Salvation is given through the grace of God when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We don't deserve it. That's what grace is. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We can't be good enough for God to save us. So he just says, out of my love and out of my mercy and grace, you don't have to work for salvation. But once you have it, you'll work for the Lord. This is Jerry G. Martin, and welcome again to the light of the world. It was Jesus Christ who said, I am the bread of life. All you have to do is come to me and receive what I have already made available to you and you will live. Have you accepted what Jesus Christ has already made available to you? If not, pay close attention to today's message. Join us today as we continue to walk in the light of God's Word. Have you ever been to a place where when you walked in the room, you didn't know anybody, and you had to either introduce yourself or they introduced themselves to you? I was thinking about that as we have been uh, walking in the room of the book of John. And in the book of John, we have met several people. Uh, Maybe you haven't, but I have, because as I've been looking at this book, I've been engaged with the people that we have here. We first saw a man, and if I'm walking into this room and I see this man, and he said, my name is Nicodemus. I was the one that came to Jesus at night. I'm the church-going man. I'm the religious man. I'm the one that went to Sunday school and Bible study and a 3 o'clock service, but he's the one that told me I need to be born again. And I had to say, what are you talking about? I thought I was good. He said, no, you're not good. You need, you've been born of the flesh. You need to be born of the Spirit. And then there was the woman that you see in the corner and you you say hello uh, uh, and she says you know I'm the woman at the well that he met when I came to get some water and he said if you would just take some of the water that I have you would never get thirsty again then he asked me to bring my husband I told him I didn't have a husband he said that's right you don't have one you had five and the one you shacking with ain't yours then there was a man who was walking around and he was still rejoicing and walking pretty good. And he says, I was the man that was sick for 38 years and I was at the pool of Bethesda and I couldn't get up and get in the water when the water was troubled because I have nobody to help me to get in the water. But Jesus came and he said, get up and get your mat and start walking. And he told me that and I just did what he said. Next thing I know, I'm walking. And what about this other woman over in the other side of the room? She says, you know, I was the one that, that was caught in adultery. And they took me to the church. Right in the middle of Jesus' Bible study, the church folks heard I was there, and they picked up their rocks, and they started wanting to stone me. But Jesus said, I'm not going to accuse you. And after everybody else left, he let me go. But he told me to go and sin no more. And then there was a man who was looking at everybody strange, and I'm wondering what's wrong with him. He's just looking and staring. He says, I'm the man that was blind, and Jesus put some spit in my eye. But now I can see. And as we continue to go through that book, we see Jesus' interaction with people that gives us lessons on how he interacts with us. And there's one more interaction, and 
And I can just see if I'm there with all these people in the room, I see these other three people walk in and they say, now wait till you hear what happened to us. Let's go and see in the book of John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Now this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on Jesus on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. Now, in this passage, we find a man named Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And one of the things we can tell from the passage we just read is that Lazarus was sick. He was so sick that his sisters sent word to Jesus who was known for healing the sick. He didn't just have a fever. He didn't just have a cold that made them sin for Jesus. He was sick and they knew he was really sick and, and seemed like he was, uh, as my mother say, he was low sick, which means that it's not long. If nothing happened, you may not last. They also recognized that Lazarus and Jesus were close. The text tells us that he loved Mary, he loved Martha, and he loved Lazarus. And they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Then Jesus set the scene in verse 4 for the entire chapter. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, 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 it's not going to end in death. He didn't say he wasn't going to die. He said it wasn't going to end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. He is letting his disciples know. So when they heard the story and, and the messenger came and said, Mary and Martha are sending for you. Lazarus is sick. I mean, he's really sick. I mean, really sick. They want you to come and they want you to come now. And he says... This sickness is not to death. You know, every once in a while when we have some things going on in our lives and we rush to the Lord and we say, Lord, you got to help me right now. We wonder why he doesn't respond right away. He knows something that we don't know. Jesus says, I know you're excited. I know you are in an urgent situation, but this sickness is not unto death. And he says, everything that happened as a result of it is not about Lazarus. It's about God getting some glory. A lot of us, we like God to get glory out of our lives. We have a song that we sing. To God be the glory. Don't you want God to get the glory? He's not going to get the glory if nothing's happening in your life that you can't control. If you can fix it, he doesn't get any glory. You're going to get the glory. I worked out. I told him exactly what was on my mind, and I fixed that. I told him how the cow ate the cabbage. 
We had a discussion. I made it plain. They obeyed what I said and they did just like I want. Hallelujah. God gets no glory. Mary and Martha will have a lot of questions about how Jesus responds to their request, but this answers it. This sickness is not to death. This whole scenario, this whole situation has been designed by God so he can get some glory. So when we have questions, and sometimes people come to me with questions, I don't have to answer. Pastor, why did that happen? I can't help you with that. I have no answer. I'd I, I like to have a good scriptural answer for you for your problem sometimes, but I don't have the answer. And you're not going to have the answer. We can't tell why that happened, why that tragedy happened. So when we have problems or even tragedy in our lives, look for how God can get some glory out of it. Jesus, in verse 5, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to drop what he was doing right then and immediately come to see about Lazarus. But the Lord doesn't work on our timetable. He never has and he never will. He stayed there two more days. Lord, where are you at? Can you see them at the other end? And oh, what, did, what did he say? Did he say he was coming? Uh, he just said the sickness will not end in death. And they're looking at Lazarus taking his last breath. Did he say he was coming? He didn't say well, did you ask him? Did he move? Did he get his stuff together? Did he look like he was getting ready to gather up his belongings and come our way? No, we couldn't tell. He didn't say anything. How many of us have talked to the Lord and prayed and asked the Lord and we tried to hear from him, but we just didn't hear anything? All we know is that he didn't show up when we asked him to show up. You know, we even write songs about it and make statements about it in cliches. He might not come when you want him. But he's right on time. Somebody put it this way. He may not come when you want him, but he sure is last minute. <laughs> you may not understand it and may not like having to deal with what you're dealing with, but you can't hurry God. Might as well just get used to it. You can't hurry God when God has a timetable. Verse 7, then he said to his disciples after two days, let us go back to Judea. And then verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now, he knows what's going on. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead for your sake. I am glad I was not there. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. They want me to be there. They're calling you. They're saying, hurry up. He said, I'm glad I wasn't there. What is he doing? I'm his child. He loves me. I can call on him in my time of need, and he will never leave me or forsake me. But he said, I'm glad I ain't there. He's dead. I'm glad I ain't there. Didn't you say this sickness was not unto death? Yes. But now he's dead, and I'm glad I'm not there. Why? So that you may believe. I want to show you something. 
I want to show you something. Jesus is looking at the big picture. He's looking at the future. He's looking at everything. We, we only can see just a glimpse of what's going on in our perspective. Jesus knows he's going to the cross. Jesus knows he's going to leave. And he knows you're going to be persecuted. And when the persecution comes, he wants you to say, I know what I believe because I was there and I saw it. I know whatever he said he can do, he can do because I was there and I saw that. If he hadn't ever demonstrated anything to you, you're going to give up as soon as persecution comes. As soon as the enemy comes, as soon as pressure comes, you're going to say, hey, I thought he said this wasn't going to happen. I can't deal with this. Forget about it. I'm throwing in the towel. He says, I need to show you something. Jesus knows what's going to happen even if we can't see it. He knows what's going on. If we can't see him, if we can't feel him, he knows what's going on. He says, I'm not there, but I know he's dead. He knew Lazarus was dead. He knew of the preparations for the funeral. He knew of the weeping and the wailing that took place. He, he knew of the pain and the sorrow. He also knew what he was going to do. He said, I'm going there to wake him up. Because you can't figure out what's going to happen don't mean he can't figure out what's going to happen. He was not phased by what looked impossible. With men, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew what he was going to do even before they came to him and said, Lazarus is sick. He already knew that. And I'm trying to help some of us who are right in the middle of some things and you wonder where God is. He's where he's always been. He's everywhere. He may be looking for an opportunity to show you something that you've never experienced and have never seen. Verse 17 says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brothers. And they probably, that's why they probably wrote that song, Oh Mary, Don't You Weep. Tell your sister Martha not to mourn. Y'all heard that one? And I don't know why they threw in this other line, Pharaoh's army got drowned in the sea one day. <laughs> Look at what he said, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So when Jesus shows up, Lazarus was dead and buried. Martha went out to meet him, but Mary said, you know, I don't even want to see him. Martha says, well, Jesus is coming. They said he's right outside. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to pour out my heart to him. Mary said, you know what? If that's the way he's going to be, how many Marys we got in here? <laughs> you know, I tell you what, I ain't going to church no more. I had some church hurt. He said he loved us, but he didn't show up when we wanted him to show up. I don't want to hear no preaching no more. I don't want to be around him no more. You just gone. If you want to go, you just go. But I ain't going and I ain't sending no offering. <laughs> Why? Because he didn't show up. Look at what happened. I believe that they knew him and they loved him and they, they loved him because they've been exposed to him and we've seen him heal the other sick folk. How come he didn't come heal our brother? Not that he can't do that, but he didn't do that. So I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he don't love us like we thought he loved us. You don't think they had a conversation? These are two women. <laughs> it's not two men. Our brother's dead. I thought he said he loved us. 
But this is how he responds to us. I poured out the perfume on his feet and wiped his feet with my hair. And this is how he responds to us. And some of us will say, you know, I've been faithful in my prayer. I've been faithful in going to church. I've been faithful in my tithing. And now I'm calling on him and seem like he doesn't care anything about me. I'm right in the middle of my crisis. Then Martha goes out and she meets him and she's going to be accommodating. But the first thing she does is put the blame on him. Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. Therefore, it's your responsibility. You the one did this. If you'd have been here, that wouldn't have happened. You ever feel that way when things have gotten to the point of death in your life? Where is God? And God, why did you do this to me? When all hope is lost, when your dreams have died, when your child end up in prison, when your marriage is falling apart, and you're saying, God, what are you doing? Where are you when I'm in the middle of my worst crisis. You were not supposed to let this happen. That's what she's saying. You are not supposed to let this happen. How many times you've said that to God? You're not supposed to let this happen. Let's not overlook the fact that Martha was in the midst of her pain and grief, and she, but she also expressed some faith in God and what he was able to do. Let's look at verse 22. After she said, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked this question. Do you believe this? Now, I can take verse 25 and do a five-part series, verse 25 and 26. So we're not going to go that deep on that today. But Jesus said, do you believe this? That's the question I think he's going to ask us today. Do you believe it? I know you have a conceptual understanding that I'm able to do everything. But do you really, really believe it? She said, Lord, I know God will do whatever you ask. Then he says, okay, I'm going to bring him back to life. I know he's coming back to life in the resurrection in the last day. He said, I ain't talking about the last day. I'm the resurrection now. I am the life now. She was just being nice. I know God will give you whatever he asks, but Jesus responds and say, I know what you know. You know your brother is dead and you know death is final. You saw him shut his eyes for the last time. You saw him prepared for his burial. You saw him wrapped in the grave clothes. You saw him placed in a tomb. And you saw a big stone roll in front of that tomb. I know what you know. That's what you saw. But let me tell you something you don't know. What you don't know is I am the resurrection. That's what you don't know. I, I'm showing up now. I am the resurrection. I am the life. When you saw him dead, I saw him sleeping. 
When you saw him placed in the tomb, I saw him walking out of the tomb. That's what I saw. And then he asked that question to Martha that is fitting for us today when we have an impossible situation. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection? Do you believe I can take something that's dead and bring it back to life? Do you believe that even though death is final as far as you know? Do you believe that he can resurrect that thing that have died in your life? Do you believe that or if you've already said death is final, I, I'm just still grieving and sorrowing. And I haven't even considered the fact that it could be brought back to life. And she told him in verse 27, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who's come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. And he's asking for you. Mary said, I know he's here. But look at Mary in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And she said this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus probably said, seemed like I heard that before. <laughs> you know the two sisters been talking. They said the same thing. If he'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And that's what we do sometimes when we're in the midst of our crisis. We're, we're talking to each other, but we're not really building each other up. We're not really strengthening each other. We're not saying whatever Jesus had in his mind, I know we lo he loves us and we trust him that whatever is going on is going to go on. But the audience said, no, if you'd have been here. So they were talking about it. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then verse 35 says, Jesus wept. I'm thinking about that for a while. Jesus said, Lazarus is sleeping. I'm going to wake him up. Why did he weep? He wept because it says here, when he saw her weeping and he saw the other people that was with her weeping, he was deeply moved. Even though the Lord knows how he's going to work things out for you, he's still touched by our infirmities. He's still touched by what we're going through. He's still moved by what we're going through. He's not just distant from us where he's not affected by what we're going through. That's why he, he's moved and he says, I've experienced every kind of temptation, every kind of thing that you've had, and I am I'm in agreement with how you feel. I know you're hurt. This is Jerry G. Martin, and thank you for joining us again on The Light of the World. And as we walk in the light, we know that Jesus Christ is the bread of life and that Jesus Christ can bring life to those things that have died in our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our future. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. If you would like to listen to today's message again in its entirety, you can go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to the message you've just heard on this station, and you can listen to previous messages as well. Let me just take a moment to invite you 
to be our guest at The Light of the World. We're in North Houston at 16161 Old Humble Road. Pastor Jackie Martin is in a tremendous series, and you're going to enjoy the message, you're going to enjoy the worship, and the fellowship. Again, that's each Sunday at 16161 Old Humble Road. If you're at a place where you're making a decision for Jesus Christ or you need someone to pray with you, call us right now at 281-964-1393. 281-964-1393. For those of you who are looking for a Christian bookstore, we have the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus. Call us at 281-441-2885 for Bibles, books, church supplies, communion supplies, and whatever you need. Again, that's 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.